We're in this series called uh, Dream to Destiny by Robert Morris. And, um, you know, uh, ironically, today we're in the uh, a portion of using uh, the uh, life of Joseph kind of as our, our study guide. And this morning we're talking about, you know, this man who was a great dreamer, uh, had this incredible dream from God, um, and was, uh, you know, thrown into a cistern, sold to uh, Midianite slave traders, and uh, sent to Egypt. In Egypt, went to Potiphar's house, was accused of rape, and then thrown into prison. That's where we're going to be this morning. Before I get too much further into the Word, uh, why don't you just stand up, say hello to somebody that you don't know. Let's greet one another and welcome them here. Welcome one another to the light. Okay, um, if you didn't get a copy of Sermon Notes this morning, just raise your hand. We'll make sure that uh, someone brings you a copy. Hold them up high. Back in the back. Guys, back in the very back. Sermon Note people. Okay, all right, while he's passing those out, um, I read this story about a couple that was desperate to uh, have children conceive a child, and um, the priest, their priest came by and said to them, you know, that he was headed to Rome for three years on a sabbatical, and was there anything that they wanted? And they shared their dilemma, you know, about not being able to have children. So he said, I'll, uh, I'll light a candle for you while I'm there. And so after three years, he came by. He was anxious to see what had happened. He goes to the house. The woman's in the house. She's got two sets of twins. She's pregnant. And he's just elated. He says, where's your husband? He said, she said, he went to Rome to blow that candle out. <laughs> All right. Um, picking up in Genesis. By the way, this story uh, begins in Genesis 37. Uh, this, uh, if you want to read ahead, the life of Joseph. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, we're talking about dreams to destiny. Uh, we believe that the Bible says that he's given that God has given each of you, each of us, a dream and a destiny to fulfill. And uh, what we're talking about in the life of Joseph, looking in the life of Joseph, is that God, uh, there, was, there were ten character steps that God had to deal with in Joseph's life. Believe that that's true for you and I today, that in order for us to, to fulfill God's dream and God's destiny for our life, that there's some issues that we have to overcome, the character shaping, character molding. And so uh, we talked about, uh, first of all, um, the pit test, uh, these different tests that uh, Joseph went through, the pit test, the, 
uh, pride test, the palace test we talked about. Um, today we're talking about, we'll be talking about the prison test uh, and how Joseph uh, reacted. Let's just pick up. It says that when, um, remember last week we talked about how uh, Joseph was, uh, was the, he went through the purity test when he was accused by uh, Potiphar's wife of making advances to him. She actually accused him of rape. And, uh, and we talked about how, you know, our being, you know, impure, how it affects our family, how it affects our uh, faith, how it affects our future, that had Joseph fallen in that area of being impure with Potiphar's wife, you know, God, he would not have been able to reach his destiny. And is there something, you know, you hear me say this all the time here at the light, that if Satan cannot keep you in darkness, and what I mean by that prevent you from coming to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If he cannot keep you in that place, you know, you understand the Bible says that we have an enemy of our soul, and, and Satan is the enemy of our soul. But so if Satan can't keep you from the light, uh, his next strategy, his next best bet for him is that once you become saved, is to keep you ineffective, keep you from fulfilling God's dream and God's destiny for your life. And so um, we pick up here, again, when his master, uh, when Potiphar's master, or when Potiphar, the master, heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But notice this, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. I want to just say to, you know, to us this morning that I believe that every one of us eventually at some time in our walk will have to go through a prison test. And some of you may be in a prison test this morning. And that test can be, it can be anything. I'm not talking about a physical jail like, like uh, or, or prison like Joseph was locked in. But maybe you're locked into a place of, uh, you know, just uh, of anger, of bitterness, of frustration in life of sexual, maybe, maybe there's some type of sexual immorality that's going on that has got you locked into this place you know, where you've become ineffective. So when we talk about prison, each of us can identify our own place there. It says, but notice this. I, you know, I, this is so, I love the scripture because it's just so helpful in this place where we find ourselves in these difficult places in life, but it says that, that while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now, remember last week we read that, and the same thing was said about Potiphar, that Potiphar noticed that because that uh, Joseph was a man of God, that the blessing of Joseph was also upon Potiphar's house, that he was reaping the benefit of Joseph simply walking with God. And then we read, we pick up in chapter 40, that sometime later the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, was angry with two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in the custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Now, isn't that a coincidence? And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, another coincidence. And he attended them. 
by the way, I, I'm being facetious when I say that. I, I just believe that, you know, in God's uh, economy, that God is sovereign and, and, you know, there are no coincidences with God. That I believe this was a divine plan, a divine strategy on God's part, arranging for those men to be with Joseph. Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream. The same night, each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. That means they were just simply sad. And he said to Pharaoh's officials who were in his custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Remember a couple of chapters ago when his brothers were selling him into slavery and they said, what was their comment? Let's see what happened. We're selling this guy. We're selling this dreamer. Let's see what becomes of his dreams then. Let's see what happens to those dreams then. Well, it's starting to unfold right now. He says, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to, the, to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. And so the chief cupbearer uh, cup told Joseph his dream, and he said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you to be your position, and you will, be, you will put Pharaoh's cup and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all, the, all this goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. Even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. And when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. And this is what uh, it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. You know, we see this, this time of testing that every one of us will have to go through. And I want to just give you another example from Psalm 78 about David. You remember that when David was a very young man, remember that the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. And in the house of Jesse, uh, he says that, you know, God has sent me here. I want to see your sons. And so one by one, uh, Jesse marched out his sons before uh, uh, Samuel the prophet. And uh, it was like the Lord was saying, no, it's not this one, it's not this one, it's not this one. And finally, you know, Samuel says, is there, is there any other, you have any other children? And they said, yes, we have one more son, 
Jesse said, we have one more son that's out tending the sheep. And um, he says, bring him in. And so when he brings him in, um, the Spirit of the Lord says to uh, Samuel, he says, this is the one. Anoint this young man with oil. That was when David was a very young man. He was probably about 12 or 13 years old when that happened. He didn't become the king until he was about 30 years old. Now listen to this passage of Scripture. It says that he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep. He brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of the, uh, Israel, his, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. What this scripture is saying is that all that time when David was out there, remember he was running from Saul and Saul was out trying to kill him. David's hiding in caves, running for his life. Saul is constantly after him. And so I, I believe what the scripture is saying here that there was this time before David could become king, that he had to go through this trial. How would he react? Remember on one occasion when Saul was there and, and, and David was in the same cave with King Saul and uh, he had the opportunity to slay him, to put him to death, to run him through with a spear. And David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointing or the Lord's anointed. And so what he was going through, he was going through a time of trial. He was going through a time of testing before he could reach his destiny of being king. The same is true with Joseph, and the same is true with you and I. Before we can reach our destiny, God has, has us in this place of a time of trial and a time of testing. We'll look at that uh, again in just a moment. But there are a couple of things that I want to point out to you in this. Um, the first thing that I saw, the first thing that just really just jumps off the page at me, that even in prison, notice this, it says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were, were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. Now, I, this is where we get messed up. Because, see, guys, we'll be in a prison-like situation. It can be in a relationship. It can be in a marriage. It can be at your job. It can be in your place of employment with other employees. You know, you're in this prison-like uh, situation, and it's just like we start screaming. You know, God, you know, why are you doing this? What's, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? And, uh, you know, and, and then we get frustrated and then we start thinking that, you know, God, you don't care. You're not with me anymore. You know, why am I here? You left me. You abandoned me. And uh, so, we, you know, all of these thoughts start going through our mind. We've got to, you know, realize that just like Joseph, that God is with us. That God is with you right now in whatever prison, whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever difficult trial you're facing right now, that God is with you. So the prison test really is a test of perseverance. And let's just, uh, let me just show you a couple of other scriptures here from Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. You remember that word? Remember the word justified means just as if you never did it. Justified just as if you never did it. Never, just as if you never committed the crime. By faith you've been justified in the, in, the, in the face of God or in the presence of God. And because we've been justified by faith that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we all ha also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and that 
and only that, or and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that, now watch this, watch the progression here, that we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perse perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint because of the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now this word glory, there are two different uses of the word in the, in the scripture. Um, 138 times, depending on the translation that you're using, but 138 times it simply means just the radiance or the glory or what you see when you look at God, you see this light, this glory, the glory of God. Remember that in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was, he says that, uh, you know, he was in the temple and he saw the glory of God. He saw the radiance of the glory of God there in that temple. You know, he says, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up in his, his glory or his train filled the temple. He was there and he, he sees all of this, this glorious, this wondrous sight. But also, and here in this particular passage of scripture, it means to rejoice. It says that and not only that, but we also glory or we rejoice in tribulations. It's very similar to the word uh, that's used in James we'll get to in just a moment. But he says that, uh, number one, that God is with us. And the second thing that we see is that in our tribulation, you know, there are a lot of times that we have to pray for things. You know, if you're, you're running out of patience, uh, you're, you're feeling like you're impatient with someone, you start pray, praying for patience. Oh, God, give me patience. Or you're not showing enough grace to people. Or maybe you need more grace in your own life. You start praying, oh, God, give me grace. Or give me your favor. Uh, Lord, teach me to be patient. This is one thing you never have to pray for, tribulation, okay? It just has a way of finding us, okay? It just shows up. You know, it's just like the Bible says, and Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, in John chapter 16, verse 33. And so tribulation has a way of finding us, and it's God just kind of like working things out of us. Uh, remember in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are on their missionary journey, the first missionary journey. And it says that when they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And what were they doing? You know, what were they saying that re encouraged them to remain true to the faith? They said to them, you know, we are going to go through, we must go through many hardships, that's trials, that's tribulations, many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. He's giving them a little bit of heads up. You know, he says, like, in your, in your walk with Christ, in your, this decision, in your spiritual journey, you're going to find some difficult times. Am I, am I reaching anybody this morning? You guys, are you guys with me this morning? Okay, all right. All right, I just want to make sure we're all awake. Um, so he's saying, you know, you're going to find some difficult times. How many of you have found them already? Or how many have uh, difficult times have found you? I can put it that way as well. You know, I mean, dude, I mean, we, we wake up, and it's just there. It's just there. Yesterday was a great day. You had a great day, and all of a sudden, boom, then you just smack up against the wall. You hit the wall, and, and you're like, you know, you're trying to just kind of regroup. It's like, what happened? Any of you ever been slapped? Anybody ever been slapped? Or one or two of you have. You know, I got into this slapping thing with my mom once. You know, I was kind of like in those rebellious teenagers. I wasn't slapping her, by the way. Uh, but she slapped me. 
And uh, I'm like, that didn't hurt. And she slapped me again. And uh, I'm like, it still didn't hurt. And she slapped me again. This went on for about 15 or 20 slaps. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't giving up, dude. I just, I'm there. I am there. I'm in it for the long haul, you know. And uh, I, I think that she was starting to feel a little bit bad about child abuse. And we didn't even know what that was when I was growing up. I was just getting a good old-fashioned whipping. All right, so anyway, but, you know, sometimes you wake up and you've just been, life has slapped you. You know, it was unexpected. You weren't thinking about it. Just boom, you know, you got slapped by life. And Paul, what Paul is trying to say here, what he is saying here, is that we've got to go through hardships. We're going to go through tribulations. We're going to go through trials in life. And, um, you know, in those trials in life, guys, let me just tell you how this unfolds because, you know, none of us are perfect. We're all broken people, and we're all dealing with stuff. Every one of us, we're dealing with stuff, or sometimes maybe we're not. Maybe we're, maybe you just put it on cruise control, and, you know, you just stopped dealing with stuff. But it's still there. You know, it's just you're, you're still stuck. You're still in that spot. And God's saying, and we're going to get to this uh, more a little bit later on, and I love that song, and we're going to probably do it again at the end of the service. We are going to do it at the end of the service, Benji. So, um Break every chain, because I believe that that's what God wants to do in your heart and your life. Okay, so um, look at James now. James chapter 1, he says, My brethren, count it all joy. That's that same rejoicing that Paul was talking about, that, that we glory in tribulations. We, glory, we rejoice in tribulations. You know, it's not a refrigerator verse. I don't want to go through that. I don't, I don't want that. You know, in fact, you know, uh, and we'll see here that that tribulation uh, produces perseverance and, and perseverance produces our character. I just wish there was a way just to, you know, like, you know, some anointed man of God that has character could lay hands on me and say, okay, I'm giving you character right now. I wish it would come that way. It doesn't, and it won't. It won't come that way. We've got to go through trials and tribulations and perseverance, and out of that, God's saying, you know, how are you going to react here? And all of, when we look at Joseph's life and we look at him, it was just how did he react? How did he react in, in Potiphar's court? You know, with Potiphar's wife, with Potiphar's stuff, and how did he react? I mean, when he got to the prison, I mean, he could have just been a bitter man. I, I mean, think about it. Here is a man that God has given a dream and a destiny to, and he's in prison. He could have just said, why, God? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this right now? Don't you care, God? Where are you, God? But we understand from the Scripture that God was there. Again, I say to you that God is with you. You may not sense him. You may not see him. It may be the worst trial of your life, but I want to tell you that God is there. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is the heart of God. It's not that, you know, he's being a prude or he's being a grouch or that he's you know just being you know overbearing it's the same thing as i said last week that when your children go out and play in the street it's not because you know you get them out of the street not because you're spoiling their fun or you're being a prude about you know the fun that they're trying to have you want them to have fun you want them to enjoy life and that's why you're getting them out of that place of danger and harm and the same is true with god and that's why he begins to work with us 
All right, trials produce patience, and tribulation produces perseverance. Patience, now listen to this. Patience is waiting in contentment. The ability to endure waiting, delay, or provocation without becoming annoyed or upset. Keeping your heart right while you're waiting for something. Uh, let me give you an example. Probably motor vehicle might be the best place, okay? I'm just going there, all right? I, I don't know why, why it is. You know, they've got this. Ex you pay more to go to this express place, you know, so you can get out quick. You know, you, look, folks. This is how it works. When you go in, take all your paperwork with you. It's not right. You can't leave the counter and go out to your car and get the title. If you do that, just get another number and get at the back of the line. But invariably, I'm there. The guy has forgot something in his car. He's forgot his driver's license. He's forgot the title to the car. He's forgot the registration. It's like he's going to hold up the entire line. It's the express lane, by the way, okay? And so I'm becoming frustrated with the guy, and I'm thinking, dude, you know what? Just get out of line. Go to the other place. It's a lot slower. Let the people that know how to get through this get through quickly, all right? So that's not being patient, all right? That's not what patience means. But God wants us to, you know, while we're sitting there and we're becoming frustrated, it's like, okay, Lord, who can I pray for now? I need to pray for somebody myself, Lord. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting, becoming impatient with these people. I was at Home Depot the other day, and this guy, was, uh, he was trying to help me out, but about two or three other people came up and interrupted, you know, uh, our conversation. And I, he just took that real deep... I'm becoming impatient, I'm becoming impatient. And I thought, I know exactly what you mean, dude. I've been there, been there. All right, so patience is that waiting and contentment, the ability to endure waiting or delay or provocation without becoming upset. Perseverance is that steady, now watch this, that steady continued action of belief. And it's usually over a long period of time. I know that this is not good news for some of you. Uh, but I, I want us to think about it. You know, when we think about over that extended, long period of time. Now, we know that Joseph was uh, 17 years old when he went into prison. And he was 30 years old when he began to serve in Pharaoh's court. So he was there for, you know, what, 13 years. And David, like I mentioned earlier, ran for, from Saul for about 13 or 14, 15 years of his life. Just, you know, it's just like the same thing. God, I, you, you sent the prophet. Everybody knows that Samuel's a prophet. You sent him to me. He poured the oil on my head. What, you know, what's going on? God, why am I running? Why am I running for my life? Why is life hard right now? Why am I in this difficult spot? Um, you know, you think, well, 13, 17 years, I've been going longer than that. Well, think about Moses. And he was 40 years in the wilderness before he even got back to get the children of Israel. And, you know, even beyond that, you think, well, maybe I've been going through it for more than 40 years. Well, there were some that, you know, that spent 40 years in the wilderness and never even made it to their destiny. So, um, you know, the, the, the perseverance, this, this test of perseverance and this test of patience, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just that thing that, you know, you just have to just say, Lord, I, I, know, I know that you're here. Your words promises that you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. God, what is it that you're trying to show me? Now, I'm going to get back to Joseph and being in prison in just a moment and just show, show you just a little bit of, about what his character was like. So uh, the second thing we see here is that perseverance 
produces character. The word character actually only appears, at least in the translation that I was using, about seven or eight times. Um, in that, uh, you know, the, it's the only way. I mean, I, as, like I said, I looked, and I, I didn't find anything else that produces character. Uh, so, you know, while God is trying to work this out in our life, um, and, and I want you to think about this for, for a second, you know, that, that perseverance, you're, you're continuing to fight the battle. You're not giving up. You know, you may be in prison. You may be in change. You may be in this difficult place, but you're not giving up. You know, you may be there for the long haul. That's what you're telling yourself, that, you know, that I am, I am in this thing for the long haul, whatever it may be. As I mentioned, in a relationship, just in your walk with God, maybe it's just not good right now. I'm grateful that you are here in church this morning. But uh, I just want to encourage you that, you know, that, that God, his eye and his hand is upon you, just like with Joseph. So now, let me just say this, that if you're a, per, a person of uh, means or authority, probably the worst thing that you can do is stop or interrupt the work of God. Uh, and, and let me just, let me give you an example of that. Uh, many, many years ago, and uh, some of you may know this story, I've told it before, but many, many years ago, I had a guy that's, that came to work in my real estate office, and they had moved here from California, and they wanted to live in the spot, in at that time was Arroyo Hondo, and they wanted to have a house in Arroyo Hondo. And uh, he, had, he had sold uh, something back in California that gave him just enough money to make a house payment. It was about $1,000, $1,200. He had an income for about $1,000 or $1,200. And, uh, and so it, it was just all they could see is Arroyo Hondo, Arroyo Hondo, Arroyo Hondo. And so he buys this piece of property there, uh, and, the, and the mortgage was about... 1200 it was almost exactly what the income that he had coming in and he got into the house and after they got into the house they couldn't buy food and they couldn't pay the phone and they couldn't pay the electric but they had the house in Arroyo Hondo that they really really wanted okay and um you know so there, there were people that were around around them that were just like you know feeling this you know just kind of like this mercy, you know, we've got to show mercy to them. So, you know, every month bailing them out, every month bailing them out. And, and finally, I felt like the Lord saying, you know what, this isn't working because, you know, we, we keep bailing them out and they haven't really, you know, they, it's just like they haven't come to their senses that this isn't going to work. This property is not going to work on the income that we have. And so after, you know, I don't know, five or six months of that, they decided, you know, and they came to us, and we knew that when they came to us that God was doing a work in their heart. They just said, you know what, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have bought this. We presumed upon God that, you know, the other money was going to come. And so what I'm saying in this is that sometimes we have a tendency to want to bail somebody out, that God is doing a, he's working a character test in, trying to develop character in this person, and you intervene and you interrupt what God is doing. Now, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying to seek the Lord. Obviously, you know, we need to be people that show mercy and show grace. And honestly, um, at least speaking for myself, I would rather for you to show me mercy and grace, extend that to me, even if you are interrupting God's plan, okay? <laughs> All right, so now watch this. Now, one of the key things here, and we're, we're getting to the uh, end of this, I think we are, um, 
when in, in Genesis chapter 40, now watch this, that uh, we, we know that Joseph was a great man of God. Uh, we know that he was a man of God, but we also know that he was human. Um, now listen to this. It says that Joseph said to him, he's uh, speaking about the, the uh, cupbearer. He says, the three branches, he's telling him the interpretation of the dream. The three branches are three days, and within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cord in his, uh, cup in his hand, just as he used to when you were his cupbearer. Now watch this right here. He says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness and mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Now, we would have all done the same thing. I would have done the same thing. You would have done the same thing as well. But was he trying to circumvent? Was he trying to take a shortcut? Was he trying to, you know, get out before his time, if you would? Um, we go on to read that the cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Now, let me just, I want you to just think about this for a second. Maybe you already have. Who gave Pharaoh the dream? Who did? God gave him the dream, okay? Why didn't God give him the dream two days after the cupbearer got out? You know, why didn't, you know, why, why, why wait another two years? Okay, well, I got a couple of possibilities. One is, like I said, maybe, you know, God is still working in Joseph's heart and his life, you know, shaping and molding his character. And the other thing is that, uh, you know, God maybe saw what Joseph was doing in the prison, and I'll touch on that in just a moment. All right, so... Uh, the third thing that I want us to see is that character produces hope. Uh, as I mentioned, there's not a lot in the scripture about character, except we know that God wants to shape us and mold us into the character or the nature of his son, Jesus. Watch this. Don't be misled from 1 Corinthians 15. Bad company corrupts a good character. Come back to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. Now, sometimes we think that we can get out there in the world and we can just hang with whoever we want to. And uh, I, I was, uh, you know, at our Wednesday morning prayer uh, man, there was a great testimony of a young man that was just talking about how, you know, kind of running with uh, another group of uh, uh, young people that really didn't believe like he, he believes. And, and the next thing you know, one thing led, leads to another, and, and this, these people or that company is bringing him down. You've got to be careful, you know, that, that bad company uh, corrupts good character. And it doesn't just have to be people. What is it that you're watching? You know, what are you feeding? What are you watching on TV? What are you watching on your computer, on the Internet? What are you reading? What are you looking at? Remember, all of those things are just so important in, in God just, you know, just developing us. Now, character is not, you know, just how we act, but it's how we react as well. Now, think about it. Joseph did the right thing, and he was still punished for it. You know, he was accused of rape. And he was still, you know, he was innocent. He was not guilty, but yet he was still thrown into prison. He could have, you know, had a pity party. He could have, you know, cried out to God, moaned to God, you know, why God? Why, why is all of this going on in my life? What's going on uh, with you, God? Don't you care? Don't you care about me? Um, and, you know, just I want you to think about this for a second. Have you ever had, just like Joseph, you were absolutely, you ever, ever heard the expression that no good deed goes unpunished? You guys have heard that? So, so a lot of times, you know, when you do something good, uh, you know, that it's just not understood. You know, 
in the, the words of that great philosopher, Eric Burden. You guys remember him? Eric Burden and the Animals? Okay, this is a generation ago. But he does, he does this song that says, Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. You guys remember that? Do, 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 do. Do, 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 baby. <laughs> All right. So I sing it to Nina every night. <laughs> so anyway, you know, in that song, he says, don't let me, please, Lord, don't let me be misunderstood. But many times we are, we're misunderstood in, in the things that we say or the things we do. And someone accuses you and, you know, you, you know slanders you or lies about you and, and it's not, character is not just how we act, but it's how we react, you know, in those situations. So, um, you know, and the enemy, he just, he is so good at just over and over again, just tricking us with the same thing, you know, the same thing over and over again. The fourth point that I want to make, and I'm, our worship team is coming up right now, I know they are, um, hope does not disappoint. Now, uh, now think about it, uh, he says that, listen to this, well, Proverbs 13, 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so, you know, what that simply means is that you're, you're just, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's just like not coming to pass. And, you know, like Joseph, he knows that he's got this dream from God. He knows that he has this destiny from God. And it's just not happening. He's stuck in prison. He's stuck in prison for 13 years, and it's not happening. Now, the, the, I, the number one thing that I want to tell you that when you're in prison, whatever kind of prison you're in this morning or you may be in, the, the important thing is keeping your heart right. Now, uh, now watch this. In verses 6 and 7, it says that when Joseph came to them, talking about the two uh, men from Pharaoh's court, the, the cupbearer and the butler or the baker, it says that when uh, Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in his custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And I mean, to me, that tells me that Joseph had a healthy heart. He's not just concerned about him being locked up in prison, but he's looking around to those that are with him there and just wondering, you know, it's like yesterday, guys, you know, your hearts weren't sad. What's going on in your life? You know, why is your heart so sad today? So, um, and let me just say this about hope, that hope is not necessarily just that God will deliver you, but that God will be with you. That God will be with you in the mess that you're in right now, or the prison that you're in right now. Now, let me give you some scriptures, and we're going to close on this note, okay? Isaiah chapter 43. Now, I want you to listen. I, I'm just not reading the Word of God. You know, every Sunday I get up here, and I, you know, my, I, what I believe is that, you know, that I'm, I'm nobody, and I'm nothing. But God's word is everything, okay? And so um, when we talk about God's word, I believe that the word of God says about, listen to what it says about itself. God says, I'm going to send my word forth, okay? And, I, and I'm just kind of the, the vessel for doing that, that God's sending his word forth. And you know what God says? That my word, this is his word that we're reading this morning, my word will accomplish what I purpose. And so in from you know from my lips to your ears listen to this word. He says fear not for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. Now think about it. God knows your name. In fact in I in Psalm 139 he says that he says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. 
he says that I knit you together in your mother's womb. That's what God's saying about you, that I knit you together in your mother's womb. And he says that before one of your days came to pass, that means before you were even born, he says, your whole life story was written in my book. I've written a book. I've written a book about you. Now, he's not talking about the great David or the great Joseph or the great Moses or the great Peter or Paul or John. He's talking about you, that all of your days were recorded in his book before every one of them came to pass. And so when he says here that I have summoned you by name, he said the same thing to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, he says, before you were even born, before you were in your mother's womb, listen to this. He said, I knew you. I knew you. And so in Isaiah 43, he says, I have summoned you by name. And I could just look out, you know, and call you. You know, Bob and Carlos and Donald and Nina and Richard and, you know, just, you know, Celeste and just, I have summoned you. I've called you by name is what he's saying. That he said, I'm, you are mine is what God is saying. Now listen to this. He says that in your prison, okay, listen to this, that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, like God's saying this about you, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. Did you get that? All right, in case you didn't, I got another one. He will call upon me. This is God saying about his children, saying about you. He says that he will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him. That's what God's saying about you. Okay, you still don't believe me. I know you don't. Okay, I got another one. He says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, and all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. And those who oppose you will be as nothing, and they will perish. All right. And it's so close. I've got to give you one more because it just happened. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Why don't you stand with me? And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to do a couple of verses, and then Benji will dismiss us. And he says, And the virgin will be with child. That's the holy child Jesus. And will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, that God is with you. In your prison, in your trial, in your tribulation, whatever you're facing this morning, God is saying, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And because he is with us, we can rejoice in that. Amen?